Welcome to the newest installment of The Voice Speaks. I am Olufemi Nathan Oshako, Executive Director of Eternal Crown Ministries and host of this podcast. In keeping with our study of David, we're going to take a look at 2 Samuel chapter 9 today. For context, I'll read verses 1 through 5 and then we'll dive into today's lesson. It reads as such. And I'm reading from the NIV version. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He's at the house of Machir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. And from this passage today, I want to take as a thought from nothing David was looking to bless Saul's house due to his love for Jonathan he said he was looking to show God's kindness to them and it was due to Jonathan's relationship with David that he was really looking to do this I mean had Jonathan not shown kindness to David Saul may have killed him plus they had a very unique bond for one another they loved each other as they loved themselves uh, and due to this David promised to show kindness to the family of Jonathan now again they were brothers of the highest order and it's interesting because Jonathan was next in line to be the king after Saul died but because of his love for David, he told him, look, I know God has made you king, that you're going to be king and I'm going to serve you. That's huge. You're supposed to be king. You're in line to be king, Jonathan. But you would set aside your rights as being Saul's son and allow David to be king. Like I said, it, it was a very unique relationship that they had so much so that they made covenants with one another after David slayed Goliath Jonathan put his princely robe onto David and made a covenant with him they made another covenant when Saul started trying to kill David you find that in 1 Samuel chapter 20 verses 13 through 17 I'll read those for you as well as verse 42 and this is Jonathan speaking but if my father intends to harm you may the Lord deal with Jonathan be it ever so severely if I do not tell I should say if I do not let you know and send you away in peace may the Lord be with you as he has been with my father but show me unfailing kindness 
like the Lord's kindness as long as I live so that I may not be killed and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family. Not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan said to David, go in peace. For we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back to town. This is one of the main reasons that David wanted to show kindness to Saul's house. It was because of Jonathan. He made a covenant with Jonathan that not only would he not kill him, he, was, he Jonathan had already said, hey, look, I'll serve you as king. But then he saw at this point, look, my dad's trying to kill you. I know we're going separate ways. When all of your enemies are cut off, including my father, don't forget about me. Don't cease to be kind to me and to my family. You know, he was setting things up because power changes people and it's quite possible that when David came into the kingship had Jonathan still been alive that David may have sought to take him out so that he could be king now we know from studying David's life that he would not touch the anointed he would not touch any king he didn't touch Saul he didn't touch Saul's son that they made king some years after Saul had died and Israel had no leadership he didn't touch anybody as a matter of fact the people who brought him word that both Saul and his son uh, had been killed were both killed so um, I don't see David doing that but nonetheless Jonathan made a covenant with David that David would show kindness and David at this specific time had seen peace from his enemies he wasn't warring with anyone the Lord had just promised him that his lineage would sit upon the throne forever and David was looking to show God's kindness so he was like is there anybody still left of Saul's house that I can be a blessing to so he went to do that for his friend's son this covenant also helps to explain why David didn't kill Saul because Saul was the father of his best friend I mean just like deeper than blood brother friend as well as his wife so you know if he said I'm not going to harm you or your household that would include Saul as well now, some try to imply that because of the level of love that these two men had for each other, that that meant that they had some kind of romantic relationship going on. But the Bible doesn't say that, nor does it share the rebuke that would have been given to both had they done this because it's sin. I mean, if God sent Nathan to David to tell him about himself regarding 
how he dealt with Uriah and what he did in taking Bathsheba from him, surely, surely the Lord would have had something to say to David about sleeping with his brother-in-law. I mean, not only was this a sin to have this kind of relationship, but this is your brother-in-law. This is your wife's brother. We didn't hear anything regarding that, which definitely would have happened. So we know that there was no funny business going on. And remember, David loved him some Michael. Love Michael sent for her after he returned from exile and was becoming the king of both Israel as well as Judah. That was part of the deal. Told Abner, bring me my wife, Michael. So, yeah, there's no funny business going on. Anyway, Jonathan had a lame son named Mephibosheth. He was lame. He was injured because of being mishandled by his caretaker when they got word that both Mephibosheth's father and grandfather were killed in battle. When that happened, I mean, the, the caretaker was thinking, he was like, hold on, wait a minute. This young man could be king someday. And if they have killed both of these parties, they may be looking to kill every male offspring that they have. So let me take him to safety. Let me get him out of here so that he can be safe. But as the caretaker was looking to save him, she injured him in the process because of her carelessness. And sometimes this happens in our life. We have people who mean well. They mean very well by taking certain actions. But due to their carelessness, they've injured us and injured us in such a way that we've never recovered. For Mephibosheth, when he was dropped, his legs or feet or some part of uh, his lower extremities broke both of them say so he was lame in both of his uh, lower extremities so they broke and back then it wasn't like today where you break your leg you go to the doctor they put you in a cast you heal they cut it off and, and then you're able to go on about your business they didn't have that kind of knowledge so whatever way the bones broke it's set that way if they didn't do anything to try to fix it and even if they did that doesn't mean that you wouldn't still be invalid I mean to this day even if that happened and you got a cast it doesn't mean that your walk wouldn't be different or that you would be able to use your legs the same way I mean we have prosthesis and things of that nature there are certain breaks that you don't come back the same from and that's what happened with Mephibosheth and due to his physical state he was out of consideration when they were looking for successors from the line of Saul. He was invalid. His father and his grandfather died in battle defending Israel. That's part of what kings do. Kings go to war. You can't go to war if you're invalid. As a matter of fact, the only thing that people who were handicapped or who were differently able could do during that time was beg 
that was their only source of income they had to live on the kindness of others there was no social service in place to take care of them they depended solely upon the kindness of others think of the story of the man at the pool of Bethesda his complaint was I didn't have any help to get in the pool whenever the angel troubled the waters he needed help he had to have help getting there daily the man who his friends tore the roof off of the house and let him down to Jesus they had to carry him they had to do all of those things so this is the kind of situation that Mephibosheth was in it wasn't set up like it is today where there are these different things to help people who are differently able on top of this he was getting some care he was getting some help but he was in a city whose name meant nothing I mean literally it's like Lodabar means nothing so he was in the city of nothing you can't expect much from somebody who comes from the city of nothing. Though he was royalty, his limitations caused him to live far beneath the privilege that he should have had. David restored every single thing that Saul owned, all of his land, all of the property that belonged to Saul, he restored to Mephibosheth. And he literally went from nothing to great wealth immediately. Not only that, but David commissioned people to cause the land to produce and bring that produce to Mephibosheth. Ziba, the gentleman that he was talking to that gave him all that information, whose job it was to serve the house of Saul, wasn't really serving the house of Saul at that moment because Mephibosheth was with Makir in Lodabar I'm sure that Ziba was nowhere near that because Ziba had like 18 kids and 20 servants you probably are not living in nothing with that kind of resource readily available but David in his restoration compelled Ziba to take his sons and his servants and work the land to ensure that Mephibosheth was able to be cared for and cared for like the royal seed that he was he took the man again from the city of nothing and caused him to live as one of David's own sons eating at his table daily because of this he moved from the city of nothing to the city of David so that he could benefit from David's kindness I want to encourage you don't allow where you are to dictate your future your environment and your circumstances don't have to be a hindrance can they be absolutely but it doesn't have to be that way God can do anything with you and move you from nothing into the position of royalty it's not where you are but it's who you are and most importantly whose you are you are a child of the king if you belong to Jesus Christ and though you may be living in nothing now that doesn't take away your status as child of the king just as it did not take away the status of Mephibosheth in God's timing 
He will exalt you. Be faithful where you are. Some key points to take away from today's lesson. Again, it's not where you are. It's who you are. And more importantly, whose you are. Never forget that. God can do anything. He's the one that cares for us. He's the one that provides for us, whether we're in nothing or we are in the city of David. We're in the palace and in great wealth. It's God who's providing and helping us. God can bring us from nothing to something. So don't focus on your limitations. Focus on God who can do anything. Selah, pause, and think about this. I hope that you enjoyed this lesson today. And I encourage you to to subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend about it as well. We will be looking at David's life more in depth next week. Until then, God bless and keep it together.